On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Model 3s won't be getting any free supercharging credits, Larry David uses a Tesla for comedic effect, some Tesla owners may be getting substantial performance upgrades for free, an interview with Cannonball Run Tesla driver Alex Roy, and much more. Howdy, friends. Welcome to the unofficial Tesla podcast. It is Ride the Lightning for October 22nd, 2017, episode number 116. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, joined by what is, I think, a finally tuckered out Daisy the Boxer puppy. She had a puppy playgroup today, an hour of, uh, of romping with other puppies under supervised conditions with trainers to get, get the socialization going. She still doesn't have all of her shots since she's only 13 weeks, but uh, went well. She had a good time. And only one accident in the house today, so that is that is forward progress. It's been a bit of a of a struggle uh, the last week or two with uh, with the potty training, but it is it is the thing you have to go through with a puppy. So, in any case, I've got a really huge show this week. I, I don't say that lightly. Uh, you can probably already tell from what I imagine uh, as I sit down to record this will be a substantial timestamp. But uh, yeah, we've plenty of news to get to, some great Ride the Lightning hotline calls, and an interview uh, with a gentleman by the name of Alex Roy. If you don't know him, he uh, is, a, is a writer for The Drive, and who, he also co-stars on a show of the same name airing on, the, uh, on NBC Sports, rather. The season premiere was last week, and there's an episode featuring a P100D Model S coming up this week, so he and I talked all things Tesla, his sort of perspective on it from being a, you know, a long distance driver and yada, yada. You'll hear the whole thing. It's about 27 minutes long, I think. I'm going to do that after the news, but before the Ride the Lightning hotline. So stay tuned for that. Real quick, I do want to apologize to the Patreon backers who do like to take advantage of the early access that Patreon provides if you're a $5 or up supporter. I'm recording on Saturday night uh, this week. My day job has been keeping me working late. It is our absolute busiest time of year. I uh, got a lot going on and I just could not uh, find the time this this particular week to sit down and do it on Friday night like I usually try to. So I hope I can make it up for you with some really good content. In fact, I want to kick it off with uh, what is something I hope you will give you a little bit of a chuckle and that is Curb Your Enthusiasm. If you're not familiar, it's Larry David, the, the co-creator of Seinfeld. His show, which has been running for a long time on HBO, was, uh, was uh, just not going for a number of years, and, and Larry's brought it back. And on this, this past week's episode, it's the, the third episode of the, the latest season, a Tesla is involved in the plot, uh, and, and specifically the super loud horn on the Tesla, which for those of you who are Tesla owners, you know it is not really a subtle horn in the cars. It is, it is an awesomely potent horn. So uh, hopefully the uh, HBO lawyers will not come after me for playing a short audio clip of this to, uh, in case you either don't have HBO or haven't seen it yet. Take a listen. Here's, here's the Tesla Model S. It's a red uh, Tesla being featured in Curb Your Enthusiasm. 
I thought you were okay with this. What's going hey, on, man? Hey, uh, do me a favor. Yeah. Can I look for the kid in, in your Tesla? I'd like to drive it. All right. Okay. Thanks, T. Come on. I don't appreciate that beep, sir. Oh, well, you know, the light had turned green and I gave you time. You must have drifted off or something. No, I didn't drift. Were you daydreaming? Uh, no, I was doing huh? important police business. Well, with all due respect, a green light is not the time to be doing police business. Uh, sir, I don't appreciate the aggressiveness of the beep. Oh, yeah, well, you, you know what? This is my friend's car, and I, I'm not really attuned to the subtleties of the horn yet. It was merely just a reminder, but a subtle way of telling you, eh, eh, time to go, let's get moving, moving on. I guess I could have done a little bit better of a hosting job setting up that clip ahead of time because I remember that, oh, yes, <laughs> this is an audio-only show. So uh, that was... That was Larry David borrowing uh, Ted Danson, his friend in the show, his brand new red Tesla. Uh, and he comes up behind a police officer who's in a, in a squad car, stopped at, at a light. It turns green. The cop doesn't go. And Larry beeps at him. And then the cop gets out of the car. So that, that was the setup I should have given you. Uh, anyway, I, I love Curb Your Enthusiasm. And the, the one weird thing, though, that only maniacs like me... Tesla-obsessed maniacs like me, and maybe a number of you too, and I say that in the most endearing of ways, would have noticed in the episode, it is a newer Model S with the, you know, refreshed front end, the, the, the you know, the lack of nose cone, uh, except there's one, like, three-second cutaway shot from uh, the, looking at the front of the car as it's coming down the road that's of a red S, but the old style with the nose cone. And I noticed it right away. It was like, it was very jarring to me. And that's, and then later on you see the regular, you see the, the newer front end again. So it was just, it's odd that they use two different cars for, uh, you know, relatively, I would think short amount of screen time, all things considered. So I don't know if maybe the, the, they needed a reshoot or something. And then the, the only red S they could get, like they could borrow, uh, cause you know, it's Hollywood. They have to, they have to, you know, lease all those things. They have to rent them for the day, but and it, yeah, all they could get was, uh, was the nose cone, which I thought was an interesting little thing. Anyway, love Curb Your Enthusiasm. Highly encourage you to check out that episode and the show. So I want to kick off this week in the, the news proper with some potentially significant news for all of you with relatively newish dual motor Teslas, you might, and I want to emphasize here might, be getting a significant performance boost uh, any minute now, or at least the next time you take your car in for service. Remember back in July, right before the Model 3 launch event, when Tesla uh, announced, well, they, they started putting new motors into the Model 3, uh, rather the Model S and the X, to substantially increase their performance, particularly on the lower end cars. This was, this was really to set the baseline for the premium vehicles uh, from the, in the performance department up higher, uh, you know, higher performance than the Model 3. You know, the S uh, was, had about a second shaved off of it down into the low fours for the 75D Model S. And then the Model X, same thing, about a second shaved off, it's now 4.9. Uh, seconds to 60 miles an hour, even in the 75D Model X, 
Well, uh, our friend Michael from Milbrae called in uh, reporting back from the service center where he's just made an appointment for his car. Take a listen to this. Hey, Ryan, I just got off the phone with my local Tesla store and uh, inquired about my Model X 75D delivered in June of 2016, which was actually the very first week of deliveries of the 75D. And even mine is eligible for the uh, acceleration upgrade um, from 6.0 seconds down to 4.9 seconds. So, wow. Um, If mine's eligible, it seems like pretty much every Model X should be eligible. Um, I can't imagine how any wouldn't be since mine was one of the very, very, very first. But um, cool. I'm excited. My appointment's on Thursday. So I actually spoke with Michael after he called in, and he said that Tesla told him that this is a limited-time free upgrade that will cost money later. He said they checked his VIN number and said they can do it. So I don't want to call this 100% confirmed, at least at least as far as, the, as him actually going the full upgrade path to 4.9, because he has a 75D Model X for uh, you know getting the full upgrade the full performance boost on this but uh it sure sounds like based on what they're telling him that they're going to do some kind of hardware upgrade to his X be it a, a wiring thing uh, a new motor both so I would love to hear from new owners on this uh to rather more owners on this to try and get a bit of a larger sample size obviously uh, Michael is not in the business of, of blowing smoke in my direction. So uh, this, this could very well be big news for a lot of Tesla owners, uh, obviously most, mostly affecting 75 kilowatt hour pack owners of uh, both S and X. So more on this. We'll see. Uh, hopefully by this time, by the time next week I go to record, hopefully this will be confirmed one way or the other and I will follow up. But this is looking like a, ver- a potentially very, very cool thing for uh, 75D owners out there. All right, uh, let's move on here. The Model 3, we are still waiting for it, of course, but uh, good news for those of you curious about the Performance Model 3, of which I count myself. What is apparently a Performance Model 3 has been filmed at the Tesla factory test track. This was broken by Trevor at Model 3 Owners Club. Now he labels it a performance model three, and uh, I have to, as as a as a as a you know guy with a journalism degree, I have to just pull the reins in a little bit. It's not actually accurate to definitively call this a performance model because we really don't know for sure. But all signs point to it being just that because the the car in the video it comes around the test track, it comes to a stop. And then it launches, it takes off, and it's there's so there and there's a couple things about that, three things in fact. Uh, it's very quick. It's noticeably quicker than uh, I've been in a Model Three. I've been well, you know was fortunate enough to get that test ride at the at the event, and they did a, a quick launch. So it was very quick, and uh, it's rocking red brake calipers. Which again, there's you could put brake Tesla could put red calipers on on any Model Three they wanted, but um, Odds are they would probably only do it if it, you know they're per, if it's on a performance vehicle because that's what they're going to be building. And thirdly, again, not direct evidence, but a good indication. 
the car has 20-inch sport wheels on it. Those, uh, those beautiful, beautiful wheels from the silver prototype, the Alpha prototype, which I have been dying for and which uh, were spotted as well on that red uh, Model 3, uh, the beta car, out in, uh, out in South Carolina, it was, at that supercharger, the release candidate car. So this is the second public sighting of 20-inch wheels, uh, and then the red calipers on this car, and the fact that it's on video going pretty darn quick. So, uh, and of course we know the performance model's coming. You know, I did, Elon replied to me on Twitter, you know, a month or so back, uh, saying it, it is happening and it's it's going to be uh, in the spring time frame alongside all-wheel drive. Uh, so the question remains, th- this is now, this makes me really happy because more more evidence that the 20-inch wheels are are going to release. Uh, this, this, I mean, I was pretty confident before, as I said on the air, after their initial sighting at, on the red car in, uh, in South Carolina at the supercharger, I thought, well, why the heck would they be running around with them, especially all the way across the country, if they didn't intend to make them and release them? And this, again, same thing. Uh, yes, it's in their own backyard, but why would they be running them unless they intended to uh, to actually produce them? So that is awesome that the 20s appear to be coming. Uh, and I wonder... I, I don't think you'll be forced to take 20s in the performance variant of the Model 3, but I wonder if they'll be part of the performance package by default, since Tesla now, we, we know both on, well, on the SX and the 3, they're bundling everything into, into just big packages uh, in order to maximize their manufacturing efficiency. So cool stuff there. Uh, tip of the hat to Trevor at Model 3 Owners Club. But again, it's we can't we can like very, very confidently say it's almost certainly a performance Model 3, but we don't know for sure for sure. Speaking of Model 3, some bad news for all of us Model 3 reservation holders, particularly those of us who waited in line and or ordered on day one. Uh, I every time I say March 31st, 2016, I get a few people who uh, are upset at me because they pre-ordered on the on their first day, but they're in a in a country where it was a different day, where <laughs> it was April 1st. So I'll just call them day one reservations. So while uh, new Model S and Model X owners, you know, no longer get free unlimited lifetime supercharging, unless by the way you buy right now with a referral code because the the uh, uh, well, actually, I should say that's rather that perk's still going. It's the thousand dollars off that's going away. But anyway, uh, if you if you buy a, a new SRX and don't use a referral cr- uh, credit code, rather, you do get four hundred kilowatt hours of credit, which is good for about a thousand miles of driving range, according to Tesla, and that renews each year. So your bucket refills each year. Model Three owners will get nothing and have to pay for all supercharger use. An early Model 3 owner posted about this after getting billed at the Harris Ranch supercharger here in California, and Electrek uh, reached out and was able to confirm that with Tesla. You know, I mean, I get it. You know, this is a, the Model 3 is a high-volume, lower-priced car, but this is still, it's a little bit disappointing. I mean, I'm now hoping, I, I've gone from hoping for signature red paint as the token of appreciation for the, the day one reservation holders, 
uh, to maybe maybe they would use they would give us free unlimited lifetime supercharging since that seemed to be a form of currency that they were willing to employ. Now I've lowered my expectations again, and I'm hoping that maybe that token of appreciation for day one reservation holders might be actually getting the 400 kilowatt hours of annually renewing supercharging credits. Um, it, it is, it's, it's about an $80 value. So it, it, there is monetary value attached to it uh, in, a, in a sort of technical literal sense, but it's not anything that, uh, that would really break the bank, certainly for Tesla. I mean, uh, I kind of don't think we're going to get something of, of uh, substantial monetary value out of the, the, the token of appreciation, but like I said, you know, it really wouldn't cost Tesla anything to just give all those, uh, you know, again, 150 or so thousand day one reservation holders $80 worth of free supercharging energy per year. Uh, and, you know, it would be a great way to say thank you to the folks that waited in line and and have waited and thus waited the longest. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, that was a little disappointing. I guess not not exactly surprising per se, but eh, a little disappointing nevertheless. Meanwhile, Electrek reports that the Model 3 production bottleneck is due to a few bad apples in the supply chain. Oppenheimer analyst Colin Rush said that he met with Tesla last week, this is per Electrek, along with other investors, and he wrote in a note to clients, quote, Tesla indicated that all the production equipment for Model 3 was installed and working and that all vehicles were moving through the manufacturing line. We understand the delayed ramp is due to a small number of suppliers failing to deliver on time. He added that, quote, at least one of those suppliers has been fired and replaced by insourcing, end quote. Uh, no surprises here at all, either in the fact that things got slowed down, because remember, Elon has said on multiple occasions that they can only move as fast as their slowest supplier, or it's, it's also not a surprise that the supplier was fired. I mean, remember back uh, before the Model 3, gosh, uh, well, when they first announced plans to speed up and, and double up on the production goals, Elon set the self-described impossible deadline. And he said during that that they would move on to the next company if the first one, meaning the supplier, couldn't meet Tesla's goals and Tesla's demands. Nor is it a surprise that they're insourcing some of this as that's what Tesla has always done when an external partner isn't up to snuff. They did it with the Model X second row seats, and they've done it with other parts as well. So hopefully the bottleneck will be solved in short order. Uh, next up this week, Teslas in China will now have a new charging port that's located on the body of the car, much like a gas filler door on an internal combustion engine car. It's not far from the rear left taillight on, on the side of the car, and it's to support markets, which is, uh, by the way, just China for now, that have multiple charging standards within them. And there are pictures of this online, and I, I have to imagine that Franz von Holzhausen and the Tesla design team probably did this, uh, accommodated this through gritted teeth, because <laughs> it completely defeats the elegance 
of having the charging port built into the taillight and thus hiding it, you know, with no body cutouts necessary. And in fact, looking, just me looking at the pictures, it definitely looks quote unquote wrong. I use that with air quotes because quite frankly, we've been so spoiled by Tesla's hidden charge port locations on the SX and the Model 3. I mean, the Roadster, of course, if you go all the way back, you know, want to be technically accurate here. The Roadster did do something like this, though. They, they, the uh, charge port was on the C-pillar on the driver's side, which I presume is where the gas filler was on the, uh, on the Lotus Elise. But uh, hopefully this is not going to spread elsewhere, uh, to, meaning to other markets, so that, that nobody else has to, <laughs> has to have an SX or 3 with a, with, with a charging port that has, that, that's a cutout in the body. Next this week, Tesla's mobile service fleet is going to be going electric pretty soon. At a Tesla owner's social event over in Amsterdam, uh, it was attended by Tesla's head of service, John McNeil, and in a Q&A, uh, he had said, he was asked about, hey, why aren't the, the mobile service vans electric as well? You're, you're servicing my electric car with a gas-powered vehicle. And apparently Tesla has figured out a rather interesting solution to that. He says, quote, we didn't think that it was very cool to show up to fix an electric vehicle with a combustion engine van. It really bugged us. Some really savvy technicians on our team figured out how to retrofit a Model X to fit all the tooling and parts needed to do service, end quote. So yes, Tesla is rolling out a fleet of modified Model Xs, and apparently, they said they, he said they figured out a way to modify the S to serve this need as well, so there will be a fleet of modified S's and X's uh, hitting next year, because apparently... The, the uh, vehicles need to get government approval in order to be roadworthy, as uh, evidently they are different enough from the standard S and X to warrant that uh, that government approval. Very very cool stuff there. I can't wait to see pictures of one of those and, and turning a turning a, a sort of premium luxury vehicle, uh, particularly one with Falcon wing doors, into into a very utilitarian van of sorts. That's going to be neat to see, whatever it is. So a uh, couple more stories here. I found this one to be a bit odd, shall we say. You may have heard about this one. This one uh, really made the rounds. Consumer Reports, despite not having evaluated or even driven a Model 3, decided to write an article saying that they expected the Model 3 reliability to that there was going to be quote below average they uh, they said electric vehicles are inherently less complicated than gasoline or hybrid powered alternatives and the model 3 should be the least complicated tesla yet said this was jake fisher who's the director of automotive testing at consumer reports he continues adding after digging into the data reported by more than 1500 tesla model s owners we expect the Model 3 should have average reliability. However, since the Model 3 is a new model, we don't expect the above average reliability we are seeing on the Model S. Uh, Tesla fired back at this. They were not thrilled here. They said, uh, quote, Consumer Reports has not yet driven a Model 3, let alone do they know anything substantial about how the Model 3 was designed and engineered. 
Time and time again, our own data shows that Consumer Reports automotive reporting is consistently inaccurate and misleading to customers. Oof. Hand some uh, ice to Consumer Reports for that sick burn. Now, uh, I'm actually, I I'm, I'm in the middle on this one because, uh, you know, I was riled up when I first read about this too, but I feel like this was a bit of a case of, of internet telephone here. Uh, the articles about the Consumer Reports article that I read were, uh, in my opinion, a lot more incendiary than the Source Consumer Reports article itself, which I admit I read later. Again, I saw the articles about the article first, and then, as I was researching the show this week and making my notes, went and looked at the actual Consumer Reports article, uh, and, and I didn't think it was actually that bad. Uh, and, and as such, I have to say, I, I find the clapback by Tesla on this to be a, a little strong, honestly, uh, maybe a little unwarranted. Now, I think Tesla is right to call Consumer Reports out, uh, but their quote-unquote automotive reporting, remember, it, it suited Tesla just fine back when the P85D Model S literally broke their review scale. Like, you didn't hear Tesla complaining back then. And, you know, the, the Model 3 reliability, it may very well end up being average at best, you know, because it's true. Uh, the first year of any new car, Tesla or anybody else, Tesla, I mean, literally anyone else, it tends to, to not be the best year. But uh, I, I do say that I think putting this article out without even driving the car seems a bit unnecessary on Consumer Reports' part. I mean, it's a little, I don't necessarily want to call it clickbaity, necessarily. I, that's a that's a term, I mean, as somebody who works in media and people, you know, certain people will say that about IGN a lot. They're like, oh, you clickbait article. You know, I'm very sensitive to it. I don't, I don't like to throw it around lightly. But I, I do think it's fair to say that this article was a bit of a reach on Consumer Reports' part. Uh, as far as, you know, the Model 3 didn't just didn't need to be a part of this article because it's the story is actually about the Model S's reliability. There, that that uh, rating, the reliability rating from Consumer Reports, going up from average to above average. So, a uh, bit of a strange story, but there you go. Take it, take it as you will. Which is probably to say, again, it's rather pointless. The car's not out. They haven't driven it. This all should have never happened, in my humble opinion. Finishing up with a couple of business stories before we get to the Alex Roy interview this week. Uh, the German publication Welt, which means world, by the way. I remembered enough of my high school German. Uh, this is coming via electric, by the way. Uh, Welt reports that Tesla was able to settle their financial dispute with Groman Engineering, who you'll require, uh, you'll remember rather, Tesla acquired them last year. And if you do remember back, uh, at, to that, at that time, Groman was looking at unionizing and, and Tesla was hoping to avoid it at the time. And they have managed to do just that uh, thanks to a deal made that will, that will net Groman employees significant salary increases. They're going to get 30% pay bumps, a one-time $10,000 payment uh, spread out over the course of a year, either in cash or in Tesla stock. 
again, spread out over four fiscal quarters, and they get a five-year job guarantee. Now, remember back again when this was going on, Elon got personally involved with this. So it clearly meant a lot to Tesla. And I'm, I'm really glad to see that an agreement was reached and that all parties seem to have gotten what they wanted out of the deal here. And, and I, you know, when I, again, I, I do my best to always just pull the camera back and, and try to look at the bigger picture in each of these little stories as well. And when I do that here, uh, what I see is that I think this will send a positive message to any other companies that Tesla may acquire in the future. And that is, hey, if Tesla buys you, you're going to have a secure, fairly compensated future, and that Tesla isn't going to run you into the, into the ground and out of business or, or anything like that. So uh, kudos to everybody involved here for, for getting a, a deal done without, you know, somebody making a big stink and, and turning it into a whole thing that everybody can just keep working and business can go on as usual with both parties fairly compensated. All right, uh, I'm going to take a quick break right here. Got uh, an interview coming up right now, right after the little short uh, bumper audio file. Again, it's Alex Roy, who, by the way, you can follow him on Twitter at AlexRoy144 if you're interested. He is a professional long-distance driver, and he is the co-host of The Drive on NBC Sports, whose fourth season premiered this past Thursday, uh, last Thursday, and it airs at 10 p.m. Eastern. And on this week's episode, October 26th, again at 10 Eastern, Tesla, a, a Tesla Model S P100D will appear. So take a listen to this interview, uh, talking all things Tesla from Alex Roy's long distance perspective. He did the whole, he had, he had set a world record in a Model S for uh, fastest to get across the country in an electric vehicle. And he did it all almost entirely on autopilot. We talk all about that. I really hope you enjoy the interview. If for some reason you want to skip it, uh, you skip ahead about 27 minutes or so. But I do encourage you to give it a listen. Hope you enjoy it. And I'll come right back after the Alex Roy interview. Uh, actually, one other quick thing I wanted to add, and that is this, uh, a, a mini apology here. I, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll note that Alex sounds pretty good. The audio, I found a new software program to do good quality recording of both uh, me and the, and the person I'm speaking with. But uh, I, re I didn't realize until after I finished that I could have used my brand new mic that I'm recording into now because it's a USB mic. Instead, I was using uh, some Astro headphones and the, the mic, the, the boom mic on that's not super great. So I actually don't sound super awesome. Uh, and I apologize for that. I already know how to fix it next time. And that's just use the awesome new microphone that I'm talking into right now the next time I do one of these things. But Alex does most of the talking, and he sounds pretty good. So hope you enjoy the interview, and after that, we'll see you back here for the Ride the Lightning Hotline. I am pleased to be joined this week by Alex Roy. He is one of the co-hosts on Drive on NBC Sports. He uh, does a lot of writing on Tesla and just cars in general. The new show or the new season 
of Drive on NBC Sports. Uh, premiered last week, October 19th at 10 Eastern. And there will be a Tesla-centric episode that we're going to talk a little bit about, airing on October 26th at that same time. Alex, welcome. Thanks so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. I'm a big fan of your show. Oh, you're very kind. I've just got my little, my very, very tiny little corner of, of the internet here for uh, for Tesla Talk. So that the fact that you found me is is quite quite frankly flattering. So uh, thank you for being here. And and I uh, I did get a, a chance to look at the show, the the Tesla episode. And and you you guys went out to Norway. We'll get to that in a bit. But first, I kind of wanted to, to touch on your background and sort of uh, how you got woke to Tesla, which which happens to a lot of us. So in in, in 2015. So just a couple of years ago, you drove a Model S from L.A. to New York City in a then record setting 57 hours and 48 minutes. Uh, that has since been broken, but that is an insane run. So uh, prior to that, though, what was your experience with electric vehicles and specifically Teslas before that drive came around? Well, I actually had very little experience with Teslas. I had some friends who owned Teslas, but they all lived in California. You know, I live in New York City. And, uh, you know, there aren't any superchargers in Manhattan. Uh, right. And whenever I went to California and I visited them, they would talk about Teslas. And, and eventually I got into Tesla. I was like, well, hold on a minute. So, um, you know, I had held the Cannonball Run Record Cross Country in an internal combustion car and also in a three-wheeled vehicle. And so I was like, well, <laughs> you know, in uh, – a hundred years ago when internal combustion cars were first a thing – uh, the way people woke to them, because no one thought they were reliable or safe, was right. this guy, Cannonball Baker, drove them cross country to show that they worked. And so I started thinking to myself, like, what is the best way to prove that electric vehicles are the future? Well, let's go set some Cannonball records. And <laughs> no one had done this in a serious way. So I went across twice with different teams, uh, the first time in uh, 58 hours and 55 minutes. Uh, and the second time in 55 hours. And that record was then broken a few months ago by these guys, young guys, one of whom works for Tesla, and I forget their names. So the record is now, I think, like 52-something. Um, and that's going to fall. You know, Every time Tesla updates the software or the supercharger network, that time is coming down. Yeah, the faster the faster the charging gets, the more efficient the cars get. It makes makes total sense. I mean, what what was your opinion of Teslas prior to you know? You said your, your California friends would talk about it, but what did you heard? What 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 was your opinion of Tesla prior to your actual hands on experience with the cars? You know, I didn't really take it seriously until probably middle of 2015. Uh, I had seen an early uh, Model S prototype at the New York Auto Show like years ago. Yeah, and. It was in the basement. It just didn't seem serious. You know, I think it was too. That was a long time ago. Uh, and then in middle 2015, I was like, you know, I started noticing that they started. They don't do marketing of their own, but I started hearing, you know, some buzz about it. And then I got in one and used Gen One Autopilot, and I was blown away. You know, uh, it, despite what everybody says about Autopilot today, when it came out, it was. Uh, light years ahead of oh, what yeah. anyone else was doing. And uh, and obviously, because of the supercharger network, still light years ahead of pretty much every other EV in terms of practical usability. So I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of Tesla. I'm, I don't really care about the stock price. I don't care about the company. But as a game-changing product, there is nothing else. 
Yeah, when you when you did your your run, you uh, you, you estimated that you used autopilot ninety six percent of the drive. So. What I'm curious about with that is, on, on a drive like that, on a record-setting long-distance run, what kind of physical difference did that make for you on the long-distance drive, having done uh, cannonball runs in internal combustion engine cars prior to that? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, it's much, much, much easier when you don't have to be 100% focused on managing, just steering a direction. You still need to pay attention. And, uh, you know... Technology is only as good as our understanding of it. And over the course of several you know, days and weeks, I became, I think, intimately familiar with autopilot's you know, kind of limitations. And yeah. so knowing when it was going to disengage in advance, I would disengage it myself preemptively and then re-engage it. And so once you have that familiarity, it becomes a very good system. Uh, but like anything, you know, the pr- most of the problems we hear with autopilot – are people engaging it in places they shouldn't? I found the system to be extraordinarily good for my particular use case, and you know the uh, you know the key is that every day, as data is collected by you know through shadow driving, autopilot should theor- theoretically improve. I, I think there's a bottleneck in terms of how much data can be processed and how quickly Tesla can update the system, and that's the kind of growing pains we hear about today. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Uh, have you, s- since your your sort of uh, Tesla awakening, as it were, have you since purchased a Tesla by chance? No, uh, you know, I would buy one in a heartbeat if there was a supercharger anywhere I didn't have to cross a river or bridge. You know, the nearest right. supercharger to me is at JFK, which in traffic is a hike. Oh, um, man, yeah. And, yeah I mean, I'm in lower Manhattan. The other supercharger is in, I think, Newark, New Jersey or some, something like that. Uh, there are, you know, in Manhattan, thousands of electric charging stations. But uh, in my garage, there is, there, are own, there's, there's two charge points. And I think your audience is probably familiar with how crappy those can be. Um, yeah. And uh, there's someone downstairs, my neighbor, has installed a Tesla – charger, but they're the only ones allowed to use it. So you know, it is, given how many cars go through that garage, I would have to spend you know 20 bucks a, a day to Ouch. get the guy to put my car in front of the charge point. And uh, also, the charge point in my basement, it's problematic. And this is why Tesla's, Tesla's network is so powerful. The charge point uh, requires um, you have your key fob. And if you, uh, and if you lose it, uh, the there's no cell phone reception down there, so you can't use your phone to activate the charge point. So you know it's it's not practical for me to own a Tesla. If I lived in California, I would get a Model S in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see how the urban supercharger network continues to deploy after uh, they've just you know rolled it out in Boston and Chicago, and mm-hmm. and hopefully it can alleviate the the kind of urban concerns like the exact ones that you run into. Yeah. Uh, so go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to shift gears a little bit. Pardon the the phrasing, given that we're talking about cars that have no gears. <laughs> do you, uh, Alex? Before we talk about the drive, uh, the new season of the show, do you think? I'm curious, given your background, uh, do you think Model Three is going to have a significant effect on the automotive industry? Well, I think it's already had a significant effect. You know, we know. You know, I do a podcast with a, with a guy who's very 
bearish on Tesla. And as we, you know, my friend Ed Niedermeyer, he's just torn them apart left and right. We disagree completely on almost everything. Um, but one thing I think we can all agree on, even the Tesla trolls, is that Tesla, the company, and the Model 3 specifically are pretty much the, the thing that keeps every other company in, in the world awake at night. Uh, because no one thought Tesla as a company would matter. And for years, the Tesla 3 was you know, in the pipeline, and people just didn't take it seriously. It hasn't even uh, launched yet. And right. every car within $10,000 of it is you can't talk about those cars without Tesla being mentioned. So, you know, the, the entire Chevy Bolt release campaign was basically cheap. The, you know, it's cheaper than a Model 3. That's right. retarded because the person who's buying a Tesla isn't just buying it because it's electric and or even might have autonomous capabilities. It's because it's you're buying an idea. And yeah. the perfect storm of concept and philosophy and politics and branding. Like people buy a lot of things despite their flaws. Um, and whatever you know, limitations EVs have in terms of range will go away. And in practical, uh, in practicality, you know, if the Model Three doesn't catch fire and explode on delivery, it's a success because. It, it, no one else makes anything like it, and we want what it represents, and it's it's a and it's that's what makes America truly great is when something arrives that's fresh and new and different and better. So. Couldn't agree more. So uh, let's talk about the drive on NBC Sports. You're out. You're you're not here for your health. Obviously, you've got a show to promote. Uh, get, getting to make a show about cars has got to be pretty great. So what, what's been your favorite thing that you've gotten to do in four seasons of the show so far? <laughs> uh, for me, the most fun was uh, last season, I got to compare a uh, Hardware One Tesla Model S P, I think it was a P100D. I mean, this was the absolute, I mean, the, the best model Tesla you could get at the time. Yeah. And compare that head-to-head uh, do an autopilot comparison against a Mercedes E-Class, like the the brand new top of line E-Class with what they right. call autopilot. And at the time, I, that was Gen One autopilot hardware and software, but it was a, a it was maybe a you know probably probably a one point five iteration of the autopilot software, which was probably the I don't want to say the best, but it was the one that had the least foibles before the switch out to hardware too. Yeah, yeah. And let me tell you, it was I think we I think we were the first TV show to compare on video uh, to semi-autonomous systems, and everyone you know was saying, "Oh, the Mercedes system is great. It's going to kick Tesla's ass. It's going to be awesome." It was terrible, and it was not subtle. And the Tesla, oh, vastly vastly superior system, and a lot of people got really upset. Who you know, a lot of Tesla trolls took went after us, and. Um, and now today you don't hear anything about Mercedes drive pilot system because it's just, it was just not it wasn't a serious approach, and Tesla's fleet learning you know platform is the core of this, and it's not a coincidence that autopilot worked so well in the San Francisco Bay Area because you have so many Tesla users gathering data and data people say data is the new oil but it isn't what makes oil valuable uh, is the processing and the refining uh, facility yeah. and that's what's going on on Tesla's back end. 
Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the fleet learning because that's that's exactly the thing that it astounds me. As I mean, obviously, I'm a Tesla super fan. I'm rooting for them, and and you know, I'm not actively watching everybody else, but by sort of on the peripheral when they when they pick a fight with Tesla or what have you, I, I take notice. And and this newest one, uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to check it out yet. Is uh, Cadillac? I believe it's called Superdrive. Uh, I don't quite recall the. The name of it, but you know, it's it's uh, it's full hands off, and apparently, it's great when when you can use it, which is uh, you know in limited conditions. But but it's never going to get better, and that's what I think people still don't seem to quite grasp about the Tesla system is that it will continue to evolve on a monthly, a quarterly, a semi-annual, and a yearly basis. Uh, well, you're correct. You know, I I haven't driven the Super Cruise system. I have friends who have. Conceptually, Super Cruise. It has one aspect that's better, which is that uh, it has the you know, eye tracking system, yeah. uh, and that's a good thing. Uh, and of course, it has a uh, and they've lidar mapped you know the highway system, so you can't engage it in areas that that Cadillac doesn't feel uh, are safe. And but you are correct; the system cannot improve uh, unless one of two things happens, and they both have to happen. The first thing is Cadillac has to go out and remap roads from time to time. Um, and then the car has got to go to a Cadillac dealership and have the uh, update installed by the dealer. Um, and thirdly, uh, we don't know the extent to which the onboard hardware, the camera and radar, are capable of discerning whether there is something in the road that doesn't match up with the LiDAR mapping. So let's go back to Tesla. Tesla... Uh, you know, has comparable hardware, um, but it is up- updatable over time. So Tesla's safety depends on that. And so assuming they can update the stuff, you know, remotely at a rate faster than Cadillac and GM with their resources, the Tesla's conceptually should be better. I wish Tesla had an eye tracking, um, you know, component. Uh, it doesn't. Um, but the future is unknown. And we know that the Model 3 has a camera on board uh, That's right. above the mirror. It's not mounted, according to my sources. It's not designed to do eye tracking, which suggests that it is designed for um, uh, in, the network. In, yeah, Tesla network, which is a whole different ball of wax. You know, Tesla's omission of an eye tracking uh, hardware solution suggests that they believe – that they can come out with a solution which makes it unnecessary. So we either if you, the cynics will say that's because te, you know Tesla can't do it, and the optimists will say Tesla's got something you know really good coming. Um, I'm an optimist, but I'm also a journalist, so I've got to you know <laughs> I got to state what you know the, the facts. So absolutely. So uh, getting back to you know the 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 adventures you get to have on the drive on NBC Sports, is there any? Uh, Country, any any country out in the world, or even even a specific road somewhere that you would love to drive sometime, and and uh, do you have a, an, even a specific car in mind for that? Well, uh, you know, the very best roads are in the places you don't expect. I've been to Eastern Europe and driven some amazing roads, uh, and this season, you know, I was debating. Uh, you know, hybrids versus EVs with Matt Farah and Chris Harris and Mike Spinelli. And yeah, and they all were like, nah, EVs and hybrids are, are junk. And so the obvious thing to do was go to Norway. And, you know, Norway is the most 
uh, electrified country in the world and the most supportive uh, of electric vehicles. So Tesla was generous enough to lend us a P100D uh, Gen, I think it was a Gen, I think it was a Gen 2 autopilot hardware, uh, but I don't think it had the, it was updated at the time. But they lent it to us and we got to drive from Oslo to the Atlantic Road, which is gorgeous, and see what it's like to drive the world's most advanced EV in the most EV friendly country in the world. And that was a revelation. Did you find while you were there that uh, that people still came up to you and asked questions about the car and wanted to see the car, or is it is it such a normal thing there that it that it was just a you know just wallpaper? Yeah, it, it, the te- a Tesla in Norway is I hate to say it, it is wallpaper. Um, <laughs> there are there's more te- there's got to be more Teslas per capita in Oslo than maybe anywhere outside of Silicon Valley. It would definitely be neck and yeah, uh, you know. There are a lot more than Oslo in the city centers than you than outside the cities, but you'd be surprised. The um, interesting thing is you could pretty much go pretty much anywhere in that country, and you will find a supercharger or destination chargers in a in a, in a convenient place. Uh, so that was um, that was very impressive. And the other thing is there's so many EVs in Norway that the city's background noise level is far lower than any other city I've ever been in the world. Um, yeah, you. Uh, I, I I got to see a screener of the episode, and you covered that in the beginning. And I was, I, I admit, I was kind of thinking, is this just for television, or is this like really how it is all the time? I mean, it was it was startlingly quiet. You know, one of the things people say about electric cars is that they're too quiet, and you lose the emotion. But people are, in fact, wrong. The reason we can't hear what electric cars really sound like is because there are too many gas cars around. If you, spend, <laughs> it's true. If you spend enough time in a Tesla, without or any EV, but you know, Tesla is a great example, especially a twin motor Tesla, uh, without the background noise of internal combustion vehicles, electric cars have a sound of their own, and you have the cooling system, and then you have one or two electric motors, and you can hear these things interacting, and it's a different sonic language that were all vehicles electric, we would learn to appreciate for its own emotion. And that is ultimately what we crave from driving, is an emotional connection to a machine that is an extension of self. And so uh, I'm actually really optimistic about electric cars, and especially the emotionality and fun of electric sports cars, because we haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg of what EVs can do. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Alex, because uh, I don't know if you've had the chance to drive a Tesla Roadster, but those cars... Uh, do not have any shielding or soundproofing at all, the way the S's and X's do. Mm-hmm. And so you get that out on a quiet country road. I, I, I took one out uh, up here in the Bay Area. There's the uh, highway, the 84, if, if uh, you're familiar. It's sort of halfway between San Francisco and Silicon Valley. And it's just quiet kind of farm country. And you, mm-hmm. know, you, you can just hear, when you're on the accelerator, you hear that the whine of that electric motor spin up. And it's almost like... The Millennium Falcon heading yeah. into hyperspace. It's just the coolest sound that, that I think is, is uh, very awesome in its own way. You know, I'll, I don't begrudge anybody their, their love for a throaty V8 or, or something like that. But uh, the EVs have their own – they have their own brand of, of sonic fun as well, totally agree. as you say. I have to ask, did you borrow that, uh, that Roadster from Tesla? 
the I I have before. I've been very fortunate to drive a roadster on a number of occasions through a number of different circumstances. Uh, and yes, Tesla has loaned me a roadster in the past. Uh, last year, I went to Fremont. And they lent me a red Roadster with a tan interior that had all the upgrades, the 3.0 upgrade. Nice. That was a stunning, stunning car. It, people ask me everywhere if it was a Ferrari. Uh, you know, I, it's funny because I would never mistake it for a Ferrari. I'm convinced no. that that car in the future is going to be a very important classic car. It's beautiful. Yeah, I was uh, – if. My listeners know I, I got a chance to babysit one recently for a for a friend of mine. Uh, in fact, e, uh, Emotion Rentals, who uh, who was who was uh, advertised on this show before, and uh, so at the car I I picked up the car for him and hung onto it for a week. I got to babysit it for a week, and and it's uh, it, it's I was surprised when I because I when I had it I thought you know what let me let me look these up and just see what they're going for these days and I was a little surprised it was a lower number than I expected but I I, I suspect you might be right that in time they they may uh, even start to to climb back up in value it's too soon it's it's far too soon and it's um yeah it, it's like uh, Porsche 928s were forgotten for a long time. Even 911s were forgotten yeah. for a long time. But the Roadster is a far more important car because there aren't that many of them. And the value of vintage cars and, and exotic cars depends completely on the rarity. And those Roadsters are going to be important. So uh, going to Norway to, oh. uh, to shoot this episode of The Drive uh, on NBC Sports, did... Uh, did you pitch that, or or uh, did you just enthusiastically volunteer when your when your show producers brought it up? Well, you know, uh, every episode of Drive NBC, uh, you get Harris, Spinelli, and Farrah and I. We sit together in the drivers' room, the writers' room, and we basically pitch each other the ideas. And so, when we were debating hybrids, EVs versus gas cars and the future of culture. It, it was a very easy pitch. I'm like, guys, I, I have to go to Norway. And everyone looked at me like, oh, you go. It's cold. It sucks. It's boring. <laughs> They're all wrong. Norway is amazing. And, you know, and if you're into EVs, you have to see it because it really transforms, you know, your, your vision of what's possible um, because, you know, there is such better infrastructure there. Uh, and if you go to Oslo, there are, you know, actual EV parking spots, and there aren't enough of them because as EV uh, EVs become more popular, but it's yeah. also their whole transportation policy integrates EVs and pedestrians and bikes into like a holistic, you know, uh, approach. And in American cities, we have a long way to go um, in, to, you know, to enabling just a good equilibrium between different modes of transportation. EVs and Teslas and are are one part of the mix. There has to be a higher level policy that embraces. Things that are truly better. Couldn't agree more. Uh, last question, Alex, and I'll let you go here. So, you get to drive a lot of cars. You cover cars for a living. In your experience, do you think anybody out there is close to catching up to Tesla, either in the in the EV department or even the off the line, just general performance department? As as the Model S P one hundred D has, uh, you know, it's out there blowing away Lamborghinis. <laughs> well, you know. 
electric powertrains and the technology behind them will eventually become commoditized in the same way that internal combustion was commoditized. Every manufacturer today has a car that can put out, you know, three or 400 horsepower. And if not, you can put a chip in and change that. You can, you can do that. So what, you know, manufacturers and, and the public, but it's especially the manufacturers, I think they're really confused about what they're competing with. Because Tesla is not, you know, they're not, Yes, they make cars, um, but they're selling several different things. So, you know, like Chevy came out with the Bolt and people are comparing it to the three, but they're not comparable. Even if the specs were the same, they're not comparable because the design is different. The branding is different. Otherwise, everybody, BMW wouldn't be in business. And yet people buy BMWs instead of Chevys because they're offering a different idea of how yeah. people want to project present themselves and what they want to project out to the world. That Tesla has happens to exist at the intersection of design, um, luxury, politics, you know, a forward-thinking political view, um, electrification and autonomy makes it something that's very hard to compete with no matter what you build. So when Porsche comes out with a mission E, that is attacking directly the Model S as a sports sedan and as a luxury car. But that's just one, you know, face of the prism. When uh, Nissan comes out with a longer range Leaf, they are, they are shooting right below the Model 3 and they're not shooting at the brand. They're shooting at uh, electrification, green tech yeah. and, you know, uh, lifestyle. And so people are chipping away at Different aspects of, of – but it's like saying, you know, unless you – you know, that – to say who's going to catch up with Tesla, it's like who's going to catch up with Mercedes? Uh, because unless you're attacking all components of, of the business, you're not really attacking it at all. The only real question is will anyone build a charging network large and vast enough or a platform uniting charging networks large and vast enough to get EVs, you know, across the tipping point? Before Tesla becomes permanent as as a yep. company, and if Tesla, if they can get to profitability before one or more major manufacturers, you know, acquire their own or build a charging network as good, Tesla's here forever. So between now and then, it'll be a lot of friction, uh, and that's outside my domain of analysis. But I'm optimistic for Tesla as a company because they are, you know, they do too many things out of the box better than anyone else has. And that makes them a very dangerous company to think that you can defeat easily. So, Well, great stuff. Alex Roy, thank you so much for, uh, for taking time out of your day here. We can follow you on Twitter at AlexRoy144. He is a professional long-distance driver. He is a co-host of The Drive on NBC Sports, whose fourth season premiered last week. You can see it uh, every, what is that, uh, what day of the week? Is that Thursday, I believe? Is it thir- yes, Thursday is at 10 p.m. Eastern. The Tesla, uh, the P100D trip to Norway will be the October 26th episode. Alex, thank you again so much. Really thank appreciate you. you being here. Thank you. Again, I want to thank Alex Roy for coming on. I'm I'm kicking myself though for not use having the the good microphone <laughs> plugged in 
was using the headphones of the boom mic. Oh my goodness, what a mistake that was. But live and learn, right? I know how to address the problem next time. And uh, by the way, now that I have uh, found good software to record uh, other people in a good quality on a conversation like that, I want to start doing some more interviews. So uh, I will have a chance to uh, to do this again. It'll be fun. So Ride the Lightning Hotline time. This is, of course, your time to shine. If you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic for the podcast, please either record it on your smartphone using the built-in voice recorder and then email me the file. The email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can use the toll-free, easy-to-use Ride the Lightning Hotline. You just call in and leave a message anytime, 24-7, the toll-free number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. A quick reminder as well. If you are a Patreon backer of mine at the $10 or higher tier, this month's Patreon-exclusive bonus episode is up. It features calls from Harry in Fort Worth, Mike in SoCal, Pete in Dallas, Zach in Baton Rouge, Matt in Bowling Green, and Povilas from Lithuania. A lot of cool topics covered. So if you're one of those folks and you're not a patron, maybe consider it. Uh, Everybody else uh, who is, enjoy it. And if you're not, again, eh, maybe give it a consideration. Let's start the calls this week with an anonymous caller. He's from Southern Ontario down in Hamilton, and uh, he has a question about autopilot and its speed limit, and the speed limit, I should say. So, sir, you are on the air. Hey, Ryan. Uh, How you doing, buddy? (laughs) Um, Question for you. I live in Southern Ontario. in Hamilton. It's uh, 45 minutes outside of Toronto. And on the highways here, nobody drives the speed limit. The speed limit's like 90 kilometers an hour. Everyone goes 110, uh, 120, 130 even, the further you get out from the GTA. And just a quick question is that the Teslas have the, the autopilot, and I'm just wondering, is the autopilot, when you use autopilot, um, are you, is it making you go the speed limit? You know what I mean? Like if it's a long trip, if I'm trying to get from Toronto to, to Hamilton, 45 minutes going like 110, which is like the flow of traffic um, on a clear day, is the is the Tesla gonna drive me at one ten like what everybody else is going? Is it gonna is it gonna go wherever I is it gonna keep trucking along at whatever speed I have it in before I activate autopilot, or is it gonna slow me down to ninety? Because if it does slow me down to ninety, that's not cool. <laughs> so yeah, thanks uh, thanks for everything. I uh, love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Um, really entertaining on my Sundays or Monday commute, whatever it is. Thanks a lot, man. Okay. Bye. 
I've got a quick, simple response for you, but I think you'll like it. It's good news, provided that you use this safely. <laughs> Autopilot is not limited to the speed limit. It maxes out at 90 miles per hour, or a little over 140 kilometers per hour. And yes, by the way, I'm a dumb American, and I did have to look up what 90 miles an hour translated to in KPH. But uh, So you are not going to have a problem keeping up with the flow of traffic using autopilot in your Tesla. Thank you so much for the call. Next up, our friend Mike in Charlottesville, who called uh, the North Carolina government reps there. Or actually, he called the store, the Tesla store in North Carolina, in Charlotte specifically, first uh, regarding uh, responding, rather, to what I was talking about last week about the Charlotte store being stripped of its ability to give test drives. And I put out the call for for folks in the area to maybe do something about it if they felt uh, strongly enough. So, Mike, let's hear how it went for you, sir. Hey, Ryan, it's Mike from Charlottesville. So I actually heeded your call uh, about North Carolina residents. I know I live in Virginia, but I did call the Charlotte office or the Charlotte Tesla um, office, and I wanted to see if I could schedule a test drive. And, of course, like I was expecting, he said they are no longer able to, according to um, the newly elected DMV official who said they can no longer provide test drives. So I asked, you know, not being a North Carolina resident, what can I do to support the company and also tell North Carolina that that's not okay? He said that we may not be able to, um, you know, sign a petition for North Carolina, but we can absolutely call the legislators to let them know how we feel. So uh, I hope this situation gets rectified very, very soon. But those in North Carolina, I'm really sorry to report that you cannot get test drives at a Tesla store. All right, later. Well, thank you, Mike. I want to renew my call one more time to any North Carolina listeners out there. I encourage you to get in your elected officials' ears about this. Do it respectfully. Do it politely. But please do so if you can. We want to help Tesla win this particular battle in the state-by-state uh, war that is being waged against them as far as them wanting to sell their vehicles direct to consumers. My goodness, what a, what, what a horrible thing Tesla is trying to do to everyone is, get the, is sell, sell their cars direct to consumers without any middleman in the way. So uh, thanks for the call, Mike. As always, I want to go now to Stefan from Monterey, a new listener wants to talk Model S pricing. Let's see if I can help him out. Stefan, you're on the air. Hello, Ryan. My name is Stefan from Monterey, California, just down the road from you. I have a general question for you. I've been listening to your podcast for a few weeks now, and I love it. First of all, I wanted to say that. My main question has to do with the price of the Model S. The, the way they were able to get the price of the Model 3 down, from what I understand, is because of the Gigafactory that was going to reduce the cost of the batteries, which is the biggest component in the price of the car. Now that they're producing those batteries, I would presume that the cost to manufacture the Model S has come down now as well because the, the batteries are costing less. But I'm not seeing a reduction in the price of the S. Do you think that that's going to be coming in the future? Uh, I would like a Model S, but the price is just too high for me, so I'm going to go for the Model 3, but you never know. Maybe with the newly revealed Model S, that price will be coming down. Anyway, just your thoughts. Thanks again for the podcast. Bye. Welcome to the podcast, Stefan. Thanks for giving it a try, and I hope you decide to stick with me. 
So your question has a short-term answer and a long-term answer. Now in the near term, the answer is that I would not expect the price to move much on the Model S because the Model 3 and its 2170 battery cells are currently the only ones being produced at the Gigafactory for now. Uh, also the, the power, uh, power wall cells too, power pack. So uh, the Model S cells and the Model X cells, they're gonna continue to be the 18650 cells uh, in those battery packs. And those batteries are being provided by Panasonic under a contract the Tesla still has going with them. It, it certainly makes sense for the S and the X to move to in-house batteries once that deal is up, but I don't really expect Tesla to pass too much savings onto the consumer because, not because I think they're an evil company, but because I think that they're gonna instead add a lot of value to the car in other areas to uh, justify uh, keeping the price where it is. For instance, a redesigned interior, um, other creature comforty, luxury kind of things, you know, but Elon isn't in this for the money though. That's, that's the difference between him and literally every other car manufacturer. For him, every single extra electric vehicle that's on the road with an ICE off the, off the road, uh, that again, that's a win. That's a win for Elon Musk. So in time, once Tesla is profitable on a regular and continuing basis, I could definitely see them cutting the prices of the cars wherever possible. I mean, they've, they've done it recently, in fact, when they passed along some cost savings to consumers on both the S and the X. That happened, uh, I think it was right at the last, the, the last quarterly call, I believe it was. The one, what did that have been? Uh, August, I believe that was. So uh, that, that has happened. But for now, I'd expect things to continue pretty much as is, particularly, by the way, as the company continues to fight towards sustainable profitability. I mean, you know, it's investors are hinging. Uh, they're, they're waiting with bated breath. They've been told, like, Model 3 is the key. That will be the, the, that's going to be what drives profitability. So I, need, I would expect that to, to stabilize first. Uh, before we start seeing any aggressive movement on the pricing front for S and X. But a great question. And again, thanks for calling in, Stefan. I want to go now to Jason in Los Angeles. He responds to the autopilot story from last week, uh, and he has a suggestion to that. So Jason, take it away. Hi, Ryan. This is Jason from Los Angeles. I'm listening to episode 115, and you had just talked about how a lot of the new purchasers of Teslas are buying the enhanced autopilot in version 2.5. And you were saying how you weren't going to buy uh, enhanced autopilot. And myself, when I purchased my three, I'm also not going to buy autopilot. But I was thinking if Tesla wanted to promote people to pay the extra $3,000 now, what they could do is say that if you purchase enhanced autopilot at this time, or full self-driving, let's say, sorry, I'm using the wrong term there, if you purchase full self-driving now, you can make it for the life of the ownership and, and transferable to cars, because I know they do that now for supercharging, so if they could do that for the full self-driving, I think it would give a lot more people confidence now 
to purchase it knowing that if they bought the three and it never came out, that in their next car they could still transfer it over. I think that would be um, a good perk also for people, uh, the first adopters, for, for jumping in and, and purchasing it. I just wanted to know what you thought about that. Thanks. Well, Jason, I'd said I'm not sure about buying full self-driving, to be clear. I am most definitely planning on getting enhanced autopilot. But to your idea, I love it. I love it. I think that's a fantastic idea, and I think it would do exactly what you said, which is allow Tesla to realize near-term revenue, which is super critical at this point, as, again, I was talking about the last, uh, the last phone caller, about their goal towards uh, attaining and maintaining profitability. Uh, and it would also alleviate issues for the consumer that, uh, that they might be rid of their car before full self-driving ever releases. Now, the only thing I think Tesla would need to figure out is what's the cutoff point there? Who specifically do you offer that to? Do you offer it to everyone with a reservation prior to the quote-unquote official launch of the Model 3 on July 28, 2017? So therefore, everyone who kind of in, in, a, in one way or the other pre-ordered the car, uh, what if that was the token of appreciation? I already talked about that earlier in the show, but there, here's another thought, that your thought. What if what if that was what the day one reservation holders got? Not not the three thousand dollar full self driving. Uh, you know, right back there, Daisy. She's she's hacking up. She's been chewing on a lot of bark. You know, the poor girl's teething. You doing all right? Yeah, she's just a, just a cough back there, which I'm sure this new mic is picking up. You good? Come on out. It's all right. There you go. Get a drink of water. Um, but yeah, what if what if the uh, the the token of appreciation was again not a three thousand dollar full self driving package, but that lifetime status of it that it carries with you from Tesla to Tesla. So great call there, Jason. Thank you so much. Uh, we've got let's see two more calls. Next up is Rod Simmons calling in about California EV registration. With a, he's got a bit of a correction for me, so I always like to make sure that I correct myself where appropriate or be corrected. So, Rod, take it away. Hey, Ryan, Rod Simmons. Love listening to the show. I'm calling in reference to the California EV registration that you talked about in the last episode. I think when you looked at the numbers, you might have looked at them slightly wrong, or maybe I'm understanding the situation wrong. Um, you referenced a $0.12 cent, uh, per gallon increase that ICE uh, cars will have to pay at the pump. Um, and when you did the math, you based it on 12,000 miles driven, 20 miles per gallon that you get in the car, which means 600 gallons of gas over the course of the year purchased, which meant $72 additional in tax that a normal ICE car owner would have to pay. You contrast that to $100 that an EV owner would have to pay. Where I think that might have been flawed, and again, this might be just my misunderstanding, was the EV owner isn't paying $100 in addition to some other fee, which the ICE owner actually is. They're paying $0.12 cents in addition to they were already paying $0.18, cents, which brought them to a total of $0.30. Cents. So if an, if an EV owner is really only paying $100, not $100 in addition to some other fees – you should have looked at it based upon the $0.30 cents rather than just the 12 And in that case, 600 gallons of gas in the year times the $0.30 cents you pay, it's, it would really be $180, which means you're kind of getting off 
easy by at least 80 bucks. And again, I might just be misunderstanding this. I don't live in California. I'm out on the East Coast enjoying this. And my government in the state of Maryland totally screws EV owners in a wholly different way where I don't get the state benefits for EEV over $60,000, which means the free money I should have got for buying my Model X I don't get in the state of Maryland because they uh, did this against Tesla. But that's a whole different story. But hopefully it makes you feel a little better that you're saving 80 bucks. Uh, keep up the good work. Love the show. And congratulations on Daisy the Boxer. Rod, thank you for the call. And guess what? I think we're both sort of technically right. You are right about factoring in the entire California gas tax, but my point, which in hindsight, I think I just assumed in my head but didn't articulate, was comparing the situation right now, you know, here still in October, to the increased tax in November. But I I will say, you're more right than I am, honestly. So uh, thanks for calling in, and uh, congrats again, by the way, on your new Model X. Let's wrap up the Ride the Lightning hotline this week with a call from Matt in Raleigh, who wants to ask about the extended service warranty for the Model 3. Matt, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. This is Matt in Raleigh. Thanks for answering my question about Lightning last week. That was fascinating. I have a new question for you this week regarding the extended service warranty that Tesla offers. I saw that they offer this on the Model S for an additional two years for $2,100 and four years for $4,250, if uh, I think I'm correct on that. Um, And I'm just curious if there's been any word about a similar warranty being offered for the Model 3. I imagine there will be, and I'm curious if you'll be purchasing it when you get your own Model 3. Thanks. Excellent question, Matt. Unfortunately, we don't have any details as of yet. I am undecided on it, And I honestly want to do more research first to see if Model S owners found it useful, generally speaking. I want to talk to my cousin Pat, uh, do some, you know, look at the the boards online, both on Tesla.com, Tesla Motors Club, etc. Just look around and do some research, which, of course, as always, I'll pass it along uh, if I sort of have any... I mean, that'll obviously be a subjective opinion on my part, but uh, I will certainly pass it along. That's, that is my role on this podcast, after all, is to, to, to try and distill information down into a, a nice, easy, digestible form so that you don't have to go out and troll all those forums uh, and comb everything yourself. Anyway, uh, I mean, I know that the S to the 3 isn't quite an apples-to-apples comparison, but the point is I just want to get some more opinions. I will add one other thing, though. Uh, Here's this. Elon was asked recently on Twitter. This person said, still lots of unanswered questions the configurator should answer. Heated seat standard? Question mark. Toe hitch? Extended warranty option? And Elon did write back to this person and just said, answers. Yes, no, doesn't matter. Meaning heated seat standard, yes, toe hitch, no. And extended warranty option, he said, doesn't matter doesn't matter. Is is Elon himself here suggesting that we don't need it because the cars will be reliable enough? Keep an eye on this topic. I don't think we've heard the last of it. I would love to be able to actually get on the air with Elon during the next quarterly call to ask about this. Odds are I'll probably end up sitting there with my virtual hand raised again because, you know, hey, I know my place. I'm a little peon nothing in the in the automotive 
tech journalism. You know, I don't think this show is journalism per se. You know, it's those those calls are for the, you know, the uh, Adam Jonases and the Reuters and the Associated Presses of the world. Not so much me, but hey, I always go in and give it a try. That's all I can ever do because you never know, right? You just never know. All right, that'll wrap it up for the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Again, uh, send me your questions, your comments, your discussion topics. You can record it on your smartphone and then email the file to teslapodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave a message anytime, day or night, on the toll-free Ride the Lightning Hotline. That number is 1-888-989-8752. Be right back to wrap things up for you right after this. I want to start by thanking the Patreon producers, the kind folks pledging at the $20 or higher level per month, every month. Uh, everybody on Patreon really does make this podcast possible at this point because uh, it's it's become enough of a job. Well, again, in a good way, I enjoy it, but you know, if, if it weren't for the Patreon, I would just not be able to justify the amount of time that goes into this. So thanks to all of you who are uh, contributing on Patreon, no matter the amount. If you would like to consider pledging something, you can go look at the Patreon page. It's at patreon.com slash teslapodcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. That's how Patreon is spelled, pretty much just like it sounds. And the Patreon producers are Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Scott Gillis, Michael Lucas, Alexi Heft, Lisa Kaz, Michael O'Prey, Logan Willis, Matthew Para, Michael Lester, Robert Miracle, Vince Vaughn, John Lasher, Harold Plug, Jason Chalukas, Emotion Rentals, Richard Ouellette, Andreas Cohen, Sean Fournier, Tim Hyde, and Marcus Mayenshine. Uh, the referral code situation is about to get not as good. A reminder that if you have an intention to purchase an S or an X for another week or week and a half or so, you can get the $1,000 off discount as well as the free unlimited lifetime supercharging starting November 1st. The $1,000 discount part goes away. So if you're going to buy a car, why not take advantage? Use uh, my cousin Pat's code. Use this short link. Put this into your web browser, ts.la slash Patrick 5008. You put that in, that's going to take you to the Tesla design studio where you can configure your car as you see fit and it will already have the discount and the free unlimited lifetime supercharging baked into it. If you uh, are in the market for Tesla accessories for you or your car, get 20% off at abstractocean.com. You can browse what they've got going on over there and use the coupon code RTLPODCAST. That's all one word, RTLPODCAST. Put that coupon code in at checkout to get 20% off of your order. And then, uh, of course, we've got Immaculate Reflections now. Uh, Again, if you are looking for some kind of protection for your Model 3, or if you're picking up an S or an X, or obviously any car. It doesn't necessarily need to be a Tesla, but odds are, I figure if you're listening to this podcast, you intend to buy a Tesla if you do not already have one, and will probably care about it a lot, possibly enough, probably enough, to want to protect it to some degree. So 
Uh, if you want to do the C-Quartz finest ceramic coating, the paint correction, the uh, prote paint protection film clear wrap, uh, any or all of those things, check out Immaculate Reflections. Their website is irdetailing.com. You can also look them up on Yelp or Instagram at immaculate underscore reflections. With 16 years of experience, Immaculate Reflections is the Bay Area's premier detailing solution. They are located uh, just a short drive away from the Tesla factory. I think that about wraps it up. You can follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. Again, you can always email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to the podcast if you do not already. That way it seeks you out instead of you having to seek it out each week. You can subscribe on most major podcast services, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or TuneIn, or uh, there's always the podcast, the hosting site, where you can grab individual shows, do uh, just listen right there, or uh, and or pick up the RSS feed. The URL for that is teslapodcast.libsyn.com. All righty, friends, that wraps it up for the 116th edition. 116. Wow, that is, uh, that is a lot of shows. We're getting, getting right along here. 116th episode in the books. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I will see you back here next week.